Welcome to Sunburnt Country Music, interviews with Australian country music artists. My name is Sophie and I have been interviewing Australian country music artists for over a decade and I still love it. I love their stories, I love their insights and I love their music. So I hope you enjoy hearing from them on this podcast. Sarah Catania is a singer-songwriter from Melbourne who released the single Venus and Mars last year. Her new single is Little She Knows. I'm going to find out not how little Sarah knows. I'm sure she knows a lot. Hi, Sarah. Hi, how are you? I'm very well, thank you. And I'd like to know the story behind Little She Knows. Yeah, okay. So Little She Knows, um, it was a co-write with Luke Austin and Jake Sinclair back in 2020. So feels like 10 years ago now, but three. Um and basically I came into this songwrite, the co-write session, sorry, and I wanted to write something that wasn't so personal to me. I kind of wanted to bring my songwriting skills and the storytelling skills into it. Um, so basically we we made up the story about um, this lady who is in a relationship and she finds out she's the other woman and the thoughts running through her head Um yeah, so it's a narrative, which is fun. It's always good um, kind of stepping into different characters and playing different roles when I'm performing my song. So, yeah, yeah right. Is it because I, I think in the past you've probably written from experience. So was it quite a gear change to think, all right, I'm just going to tell this entire made-up story? Yeah, well, pretty much all of my writing is from experience because that's obviously what comes naturally and what flows out of you. But, um, yeah, I, I wanted just to test myself and see what I what I could do and try something new. So it was great. It was really good. And I've incorporated that a lot more now as well, which has been which has been fun. When you were writing the song, did you come up with like backstories for the characters or anything like that? <laughs> yeah, well, when we were writing certain parts, especially the bridge, because the lines, um, I've seen his phone car in your drive. So I was like, oh, I'm like this girl, like she's like done drive bys of his house and she's seen like the other lady's car in the driveway and like she'll she'll see his phone when he's in the shower and she finds all the messages. Uh, we had this, we had this big story. I started getting annoyed for this little woman and she just doesn't even exist. But I I got really upset <laughs> you could maybe you could build a whole world write some other songs <laughs> yeah literally like you you like imagine this character and then you don't you forget that they're not real because it yeah. just feels so real once you sing it enough times you forget oh wait this is literally about nothing yeah. so <laughs> since then have you written other stories or have you tended to write from your own experience again I've written um one other song oh yeah one other song where it's a completely made up story um, and then I've written a couple where it's based on someone else's story. So right. I'm putting myself into someone else's shoes, but I've got the details and I know the background and stuff. So it's it's real, but not mine. If that yeah. yeah. Yes, it does. And am I right in thinking that Luke and Jake were your co-writers on Venus and Mars as well? No, Lynn Bertello was my co-writer. Oh, I think yeah. you I think maybe we I have this memory of talking about Luke and Jake with you, but um I've done um I think maybe we've just spoken about how I've co-written with them in the past. I've done oh, a lot okay. with Luke as well, but this is the only one with Jake. But yeah. Right. So Venus and Mars with Lynn Botel, who is the director of the Country Music Academy, and you were at the Academy earlier this year. Yes, I was. It was so fun back in Jan. Um yeah, it was the best two weeks ever, honestly. I made so many good friends and so many good connections. We wrote some bangers, which is so much fun, and we just got to jam with each other all the time and learn heaps, which is good. Sometimes you forget that it's good to hone your craft and to keep expanding on it. Um, yeah. So, yeah, that was really good. That was really eye-opening. 
Because it's the, the academy pops up quite a lot with artists who I find you know have great songs, they're great performers. It's it is a common denominator, and I and I ask about it a lot because I'm trying to bring out the fact that the academy has played this role in a lot of people's careers. And you know, two weeks is it's an intensive two weeks by the sound of it. You oh, have yeah. oh yeah, have a lot of mentors coming in, and you also have to apply. A lot of people don't realize that even though you know you're you know you are paying course fees to go. It's not just that anyone can get in. You actually yeah, have to be close. No yeah, there's a whole application process and then they narrow it down because you, you need to make sure you're ready for the academy because you can go in and if you know nothing, it's so overwhelming. So you want to make sure you've got a bit of a basis and you kind of are getting there with what, you, what you're doing, but there's just some things you need to fine tune. Right. Yeah. And did you, do you feel you were ready because you thought, okay, I've, I want to make the next step in my career. I'm not quite sure how the Academy might help me or it was just like as a songwriter, as, a, as an artist, you thought I'm at this level of maturity now. I just think like I, I've gotten to the point now that because um, I was going to go to the Junior Academy when I was younger, but I kept saying, I'm like, no, I'm not ready. And I, I actually wasn't. So it's good that I, I knew that, but it would have been a good stepping stone because it would have made me realise I wasn't ready and what I needed to do. Right. But um, yeah, I think... I'd, I'd been gigging last year. I, I feel quite esteemed in my songwriting now and I know what I'm doing. Um, I'd released my first single, so that was good. I think it was like a good foundation for me. But you really, you don't really need that foundation. You just have to know that it's what you want to do. And um, even if you've just been working on it behind the scenes, that's that's really enough. Just, just really having that commitment and that um, determination. But yeah, the Academy is so, so awesome. And it's just... The, the things you get out of it, it just helps you take that next step and really highlights the things. Even if you didn't know there were things you needed to work on, it really mm-hmm. highlights what you could be working on and what could take you to that next level. Yeah, right. Is it confronting when you find out some of the things you could be working on? Like you might thought, think, oh, yeah, I was sure I was fine with that, but now I'm not. <laughs> I think I'm very self-aware of what I'm horrible at. <laughs> I, know, I know what I'm not good at. Um, but it was a bit um, like if you, you learn things, say with my release of Venus and Mars, because I've always done it fully independently, even my PR and stuff like that. And we learned heaps about PR and business management and stuff at the academy. Mm-hmm. And the only thing that it's kind of intimidating is I was sitting there thinking, God, I should have done that. I should have done that. I should have done that. And it's good though, because now I can do it lead like in the future and like from now onwards. But um, yeah, just there's, oh my God, you, you don't realize how much there is that you could know. Yeah. It, it, when you're an independent artist, it's, it is a lot to, of different skill sets as well. Because as you said, you're, you've done your own PR. Well, that's not necessarily something that a songwriter or a singer or a singer-songwriter knows how to do. I've been, I've been making it up this whole time. <laughs> well, now I've got some, some background information that I've learned, so it's good. <laughs> so, but I'm interested when you did start out um, doing your own PR for the last single, did you do just some research online or did you just, you know, how did you do Because a lot of people would be interested in that process. I think I, um, I emailed a bunch of radio stations. So I kind of looked at what my friends were doing and the radio stations they were talking to and community radio and stuff and, I tried to find some some emails and stuff and I just made up like a press kit for my for my last single Venus and Mars, sorry. Um, and I sent off the press kit and just was like, hey, like my name is Sarah. So nice to talk to you. Like, would you love to, I like love it if you would play my song or if we could have a chat. And I probably sent out like 50 emails and got like two interviews. But then when I send the next song, 
they're like, oh, I've seen her name twice now. Who is she? And then they can, it, you just you just have to send them. And even if you don't get a response, just keep being persistent because eventually you will. And I suppose it's not unlike playing for a, a crowd in a pub where maybe there's 50 people in the room and only two people are really paying attention, but you only need those two people. Exactly, exactly. All Like you, it's with anything. It's kind of like you apply for 50 jobs, you might get one call back or you, it's, it can be taken into perspective for any situation. But um. Yeah, or like even like an audition. You might audition for a thousand things and you hmm. can get into one or something like that. Or even like with Australian Idol and stuff like that, you get turned back. But it's it's the one person seeing you or one person hearing you out. And then once one per- one person catches on to you, then usually other people are like, oh, this radio station played her last single. We can play this one. Yeah, right. So you just kind of have to build it like that. It'll start off small, but eventually... People start catching on. Yes, there's a snowball effect. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so while you're at the academy, did you make some particular co-writing connections that you think you'll continue with? Oh, I wrote a song with Kevin Bennett, and oh. I love it. I love it, and I think he loves it too. But I don't know. Um, but I would, I would love to write with him again. I think we mold really well together because I've got, I'm like bursting at the seams with all these ideas and stuff like that, and he's got like the brains and he's very like not very serious but he he can take my ideas and make them make sense where I feel like I could just have a lot of mumbo jumbo and nothing had, nothing had been order <laughs> when you're having ideas do you note them in a notebook or like um notes on your phone or that sort of thing and just collect them for later if I've got my songwriting book on me if it's like something like the academy I love writing it down physically but if I'm just like at work or I don't know on a walk or something then it's all in my phone notes yeah. And I've written a lot of things in my notes that I forgot about. So maybe I should probably sort through them and see what ideas I've come up with. Yeah, because you never know what's in there. It's yeah, both I think those things have be gold mines and you might I, think, oh I honestly couldn't even tell you what's in mine. I've got no idea. I've probably got like 30 half finished songs that I never actually recorded or thought about after. Yeah. Cause I think it's the fact that that once you've written it down, your brain sort of lets it go. So you don't yeah, hold on. Exactly. exactly. I'm like, that's there now. I'll get back to that later. And then you just don't. Yeah. <laughs> so you are balancing music with work and all sorts of things. So when you sit down to write, is it, well, do you find that it's better for you to have a co-writing session like you did with Luke and Jake that actually makes you commit to it? I really do prefer co-writing sessions, especially, well, I think just when you're co-writing, usually you're in a scenario like a songwriting retreat or something like the Academy or something like that, where you're going there and you know you want to write songs. Um, Because I feel like if I'm just at home, there's just so many distractions. Like it's just my, I don't, that creative side of me, it's like it struggles to come out. So when I have people around me that that are creative as well and they're songwriters, it kind of just helps get it out of me. It was always right. there, but it's just it just gets hidden a little bit. Yeah, and that's and it's always good to know your nature. I think with those sorts yeah. of things. Yeah. yeah. So you you do have some gigs coming up. Um, I saw on your website, uh, well, on your Facebook rather, and that includes supporting Golden Guitar winner Andrew Swift at Nudgee Pub. I imagine a spot like that's quite competitive to get. Oh yeah, yeah. I would assume so as well. But Andrew was so so kind to offer me to support him. Um, yeah, I'm really excited that it's going to be so much fun. Have you ever played there before? No, no, I've never even been to Nuji. I don't even know where it is, but I'm excited. I think it's like down halfway. <laughs> so when you are going to a new place like that, do you just have an open mind about what the crowd might be and think, 
I'm just going to take it as it comes. Yeah. Well, when it's a Swifty gig, I feel like I know everyone in the crowd is going to be a legend, so it's fine. <laughs> but when it's like a cover gig that I'm doing or something like that, if I'm going to a new place, I just have to stick to what I know and then I can kind of write it out as I go and figure it out. You kind of get a sense. You, you can read the room a little bit and then you go by that. Yeah, right. But that's a skill in itself, being able to read the room, because I think partly it involves looking at people's faces, which can be confronting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's definitely been a lot of cover gigs I've done where people just want to like chill out and chat to each other. But then you know that you can tell and then you're like, okay, I'll hold back. I'm just going to be nice background music for your dinner tonight. <laughs> yeah. Do you at that point think, oh, I've got to swiftly change my set list because this is not the crowd I was expecting? Yeah. Sometimes if there's like... um some some bigger songs in there something a bit more loud and exciting I would just cut them out and go for some Ed Sheeran or something like that <laughs> do you know how many songs you know no I oh well if in like a normal um three hour set I'd probably do like 35 right but I think I'd have probably double the amount because yeah. I need to have I need to accommodate for different situations yeah, right. So maybe like 70, but I don't know if I know them very well. It's quite a lot of songs. <laughs> it's so yes. many. Yeah. But you are playing at a few different venues around Victoria. I saw are these shows that you're booking yourself. Yeah. Yeah. I've, I've got um a few of them, I think maybe two in March. There's a production company or a booking agent in Melbourne called Amber Mike Productions, and he's reached out to me for a few things. So I think a few through him, but the rest of them are, are solely my own. Yeah, because it's, again, just the work side of things is always really interesting and for anyone watching or listening who's who's intrigued in the work side, I always think a lot of people like to know about work. I that learning about the work side. I reckon it's, it's hard, yeah. So I think that that the work in trying to get gigs is is also unseen to audiences. You know, it's not as easy as, oh, oh that pub wants you and you turn up. You've, it's a lot of follow-up. It's a lot of contacting. It's... Knowing where you can get to in a car drive, that sort of thing. Getting a gig is a craft in itself, especially when you're starting out. When I had just started out, because I only did my first gig in 2021. So in 2022, I was like, this is what I want to do. I need to get hustling. But when you haven't played much before because you don't have any experience, people just don't care. But then you get lucky. A A few venues will pick you up. You just have to really email and you go in and you're like, hey, I sing. It's nice to meet you. Let me play next week. Um, and then the more you do, more just kind of reach out. And this this year especially, I think last year I had to work a little harder for them, but this year they've kind of just flowed in and I haven't actually really reached out, which has been really relaxing. Yeah, and that's and that's quick too, considering it was only last year that you started. I, I ended up doing like over 30, 35 gigs last year and that was my first year of gigging. So it was like from zero to 100 and then this year is looking out to be even more. So, yeah, it's worked out really well. I'm stoked. I'm really stoked. But when you are balancing some work and doing other things, is is it then a question of learning how you balance your energy output? Yeah, I'm not very good at that. That's not one thing I'm not the best at. I do have a lot of energy, though, so I think I'm lucky in that department. But, yeah, I think I've got six jobs now, which is really <laughs> stupid. Um but it's just the little, they dabble through the week. So I, I keep my Fridays off and that's my admin day and I get all the paperwork done and I do all my social media stuff and all that kind of jazz. Um, and then pretty much the rest of the week, I'm either gigging, waitressing, babysitting, teaching from like a primary school or high school or from home. I don't think, I think that's all I do. 
I'm releasing yeah. music. Yeah. Somewhere in there you've got to fit in some songwriting and some recording and, oh, you know. and some downtime. Gosh. <laughs> well, and that is part of the challenge, I think, because it's important for the brain to have a bit of downtime yeah. so that you can be creative, right? That's why I think I definitely write the most when I'm traveling. As soon as I'm like get on a plane and go to a destination, all of a sudden it's because you're not thinking about work when you're not at home because it's like not nearby. So as soon as I'm on a holiday, like I don't even realize I'm doing it, but I'll just be like, see if I'm like laying on a beach, I'll start humming a tune or some lyrics will come to my mind. And that's it literally just flows in instantly as soon as I'm separated from being at home. So that's why I love holidays as well. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so I've actually forgot to ask you when we were talking about the academy did you stay on for some of the festival after that yeah I was there for the entirety of the festival which oh, was wow. so fun it was very hectic it was a long time to be in Tamworth it was in the heat yeah. yeah in a tent as well my my trusty old tent wow. yeah it was hard and then the car broke down on the way home so we got an extra couple of days oh, right. <laughs> It was fun. We we got stranded in Bankman's Bay. I don't even think you could count that as stranded. Oh, that's was, Yeah. I had to take an extra day off work. Fine. Whatever. <laughs> it was being at the festival a kind of holiday in that because you were watching other people, you could just let go of your own stuff. Yeah. Well, I was gigging a lot at the festival as well. So it was kind of a balance. Um, I think I did seven gigs this time worth, which was great. Okay. Really, really good. Um. But, yeah, when I think my my last gig was like four days before the festival finished. So those last four days I really got to just kick back and enjoy watching music and it was so, so, it's just so much fun because a lot of the country artists don't always come down to Melbourne. We're feeling quite <laughs> lonely down here. So when I can see them all in one big group, it's so good. Yeah. And that is, you know, it's part of it. It's not just people who are living outside of, of metro areas. In fact, I do think it's harder when you're living in a city like Melbourne or in Sydney where I am. Uh, there aren't a lot of venues that are supporting certain types of country exactly. music. So, yeah, the artists don't come. Yeah, exactly. And it's it makes more sense. Rural towns kind of want them and probably need them more. And that's why Nuji, I've never even heard of it, but I'm playing there with Andrew Swift. <laughs> <laughs> so when you're looking at the rest of this year, are you thinking you're going to carve out some time for more writing and recording or is it, is it more a reactive thing of, oh, if I get the time, I'll do that? No, no, I've definitely, that's, that'd be my priority. My music is my priority. So if I've got to take some time off work, so be it. Um, right. I've got, I, when I recorded Venus and Mars last year and I recorded Little She Knows, I've got another three that I recorded in that okay. period. So I've got some backed up, ready to go, but I want to make sure I, I keep writing and I've, I've got some new ones to record as well. So there's just, there's heaps to do and I'm really excited to keep doing it. I guess part of the work of managing yourself is is figuring out the release schedule for those yeah, things oh, and, yeah. and how far apart they should be. Yeah, I didn't even think of that when I started releasing. Then I was like, oh, that's probably like a bit of a strategy to this. And I'm, you, you've got to work it out because you just get excited. So I just wanted to release all of them. But you can't <laughs> do that. You've got to be smart. You've got to give time in between so people can, like, just indulge in it. Yeah. But you you learn that. It's, it's a, definitely a strategy in itself. Well, it is, but again, not something that anyone's there to teach you, really. It's not like there's a course in, hey, here's how to be an independent country music artist. The Academy does very well. There's not a course. There is a course, but not everyone can go to it. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's a lot of it. You do it and you learn as you go and you'll, you'll stuff up here and there. And then the next time you release, you'll regret not doing things beforehand that you could have done. But 
that's just life. You live and you learn and you just keep going. And then the next release, you'll do more than you could have ever thought of. So it's it works well. Well, you certainly seem to have the passion for it and the and the energy for it. So I imagine, yes, those th- next three songs will come out and you'll just keep building and building, which is exciting. Yeah, I'm very excited. I just want to get the next one out now, but I can't. <laughs> it's only been a week. <laughs> oh, that's, yes, that's true. Your single is just out. So no, we'll wait a bit longer. But in the meantime, people can listen to Little She Knows and to Venus and Mars. And Sarah, it's been great to catch up with you. Thank you, you too. So nice to chat. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Sunburnt Country Music Podcast. For more Australian country music interviews and reviews and other things, go to sunburntcountrymusic.com or to Sunburnt Country Music on Instagram, Facebook and TikTok.